Aha, ha, ha. What it do, baby? Come on, man. You know we had to start this one with a Kawhi Leonard impression. Welcome back and welcome in to Reteaching the Game. What's up, everybody? This is episode 17, aligning the process with the results. And as always, I am your main man, Ethan Noroff, and I am stoked to have you here with me. NBA free agency, it feels like we're at the end of it, but amazingly, we're not even in the middle of July. So on today's episode, you know we're going to have to talk all about the Kawhi fallout, the Los Angeles Clippers, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Toronto Raptors, and how it impacts the entire NBA. You know that we're going to have to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers roster in the post-Kawhi fallout, right? On the last episode, I promised you guys, after Kawhi made his decision, we were going to get all into the dynamics, not only from the Clippers' perspective, not only from the Lakers' perspective, not only from the Raptors' perspective, but what it means for the league and what it means for the future of the NBA. So we're definitely going to get into that. We're going to get into the Russell Westbrook trade market. Yes, you heard me correctly, the Russell Westbrook trade market, because after Paul George forced the Thunder's hand and found himself in Los Angeles to be Kawhi Leonard's next and newest teammate, the Thunder have a very real decision to make, and it feels like their future is better without Russell Westbrook. And finally, to wrap it all up, at the very end of this one, we're going to get into one of my favorite parts of this show. The TED Talk, the inspirational piece, the something I get to leave you guys before we say goodbye. And today it's going to be about groupthink and NBA Twitter. All right. You do not want to miss that. Promise you that. The ride for Kawhi. It's finally over. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. The ride for Kawhi is finally over. And when every single person thought it was either going to be the Toronto Raptors or the Los Angeles Lakers, it was the Los Angeles Clippers on Friday night at 11 o'clock Pacific time that swooped in to pick up their Kawhi. Now, this was an all or nothing proposition for the Clippers, right? There has been no secret about their pursuit of Kawhi Leonard. Lawrence Frank basically lived in Toronto last year, okay? The Clippers have been putting on this pursuit of Kawhi Leonard for over a calendar year. And guess what? It worked, right? It worked. Now, we still don't know if it would have actually worked if they weren't able to make magic out of Paul George and somehow bring him into the fold. But it worked, right? And so a lot of people want to sit here and they say, hey, the Lakers, the Raptors, they made a mistake thinking that Kawhi Leonard would ever come or come back in the case of the Raptors. And I am here to tell you that is just absolutely not true. Okay? That is a garbage take. Let's go through this. Okay? Let's start with the Lakers. The Lakers deserve zero blame. The Raptors deserve zero blame. And let me tell you why. Because when the Lakers have a chance at pursuing all-time greatness and putting together a team that is not capped at very good or even great once or twice, but great for the next decade, you pursue that. You pursue that because that opportunity cost, it is worth paying. And if you're unfamiliar with opportunity costs, I encourage you to go back. Episode 16, we talked a lot about that. And if you want to hear all about the Lakers, make sure you listen and subscribe to the Hoopball Lakers podcast, which you can find on Apple Podcasts. And I appreciate your feedback there, too. That is a Lakers-specific show that I am hosting and will be on regularly throughout the offseason and season. But on Reteaching the Game, this is going to still be about all of those topics. Everything basketball in life. So to sit here and say the Lakers or the Raptors deserve any kind of blame for pursuing Kawhi Leonard. It's garbage, okay? 
There is nothing about the process that either of these teams participated in that is worth criticism. The Raptors went all in, okay? Masai Ujiri went all in on the right hand. I tweeted this back in May and I still feel it true today, even with Kawhi Leonard wearing a Los Angeles Clippers uniform. The reality is the Raptors went all in, they won, and now it's just over, okay? Stop holding on, appreciate it for what it was, and move on. And the same could be said of just about anything in life. When something comes to an end, we have to appreciate it for what it was, and then we have to find a way to move on. Because the longer we hold on to the what if, the more delusion that we create for ourselves. And I know that can be a hard line for some people to draw in the sand, but it's a necessary one, okay? It's necessary. It's essential to self-care and to self-love. The Lakers also deserve zero blame. As we said, the Lakers had a chance to pursue all-time greatness. You take that chance, especially in an offseason where you've already got Anthony Davis. Some people might even say the Lakers were playing with house money. But that's a different topic for a different day. The hardest part in life, okay, the hardest part about life, at least one of them, is we sit here and we say repetitively, we say it repetitively and repeatedly in all sorts of situations. It's not about the results, it's about the process. Because if you have the process in place, the results will be what they are. The hardest part, or one of them about life, is when you go about the process the exact correct way and the results still don't yield what you want to see. Case in point are the Toronto Raptors. Okay, Nick Nurse, Raptors head coach on Kawhi Leonard's departure. You can't blame a guy for wanting to go home. That's what he texted me today. Quote, I'm going home. You have to remember Kawhi Leonard made it very clear he never wanted to be in Toronto, ever. Yes, he played for the Raptors. Yes, he took them to the NBA Finals. And yes, he won an NBA championship there. But he never wanted to be there. So this idea that Kawhi is spurning Toronto to go back to Los Angeles, it belongs in the round filing bin. And if you're not familiar what that means, that means the trash can. Okay? As a teacher, I like to pull out that phrase quite often. Sometimes a student asks me, hey, where can I put this? And if I know it's not their best effort or something that they've spent two seconds on just in an effort to get it done, I say you can put it in the round filing bin. And then we have a conversation, right? That's how real growth is achieved. The Raptors did nothing wrong to lose Kawhi. He simply chose to go home. Masai Ujiri or anyone else involved in that Raptors organization deserves absolutely zero blame for that. Zero. And the same can be said of the Lakers. The reason that people want to sit here and criticize the Lakers and their pursuit of Kawhi is based off of past history. The reality is the Lakers had a good chance at landing Kawhi Leonard, okay? That's the reality. In past years, when they've pitched these over-the-top junk style meetings to free agents who are never coming anyway that's a different story but the Lakers went about this in the correct way the Clippers they went all in they won because they've got Kawhi Leonard now 
and now it's just the beginning. And that's really the difference between the Raptors and the Clippers. The Raptors went all in, they won, they won at the highest level, and now it's over. It was for one year. The Clippers went all in, they won the offseason sweepstakes, and now it's just the beginning. And that's really it. Okay? And if you look at the Clippers depth chart, yes, they've got some talent on that team without question. Without question, they will be a contender in the Western Conference, and they should be a contender for the NBA title, assuming everything aligns. But I want to focus on this Kawhi Leonard narrative, okay? Kawhi, the Kawhi narrative, it needs to be recontextualized, and here's what I mean by that. I cannot tell you how many times over the last two weeks, three weeks, month, longer, I've had to sit here and say, oh, Kawhi Leonard. He's his own man. He's going to do whatever he wants. He doesn't want to go join a super team. He wants to be his own man. He wants to create his own destiny. That's all fine and good. Okay? Kawhi Leonard, the super team slayer. He wants this. He wants that. The narratives around Kawhi Leonard, they need to be recontextualized and redefined. Because yes, he did want to do his own thing on his own terms, but he didn't want to do it by himself. No matter what, Kawhi Leonard would have done in the purple and gold with the Los Angeles Lakers, he would have never, ever, ever been the best Laker of all time. By putting on a Clippers jersey, he is already the best Clipper of all time. And if he somehow wins with the Clippers franchise, he is an all-time Los Angeles basketball icon and they will build him a statue. So yes, he did want to come home. And yes, he wanted to do it on his own terms. And yes, he wanted to be that guy who chooses the path less traveled. But don't get it twisted. He did not want to do it by himself. Because as we all know, Paul George is his newest teammate. And depending upon what reporting you believe, Kawhi Leonard was recruiting the entire time. First, he had a conversation with Jimmy Butler. Then it was Kevin Durant. Then we learned he had recruited Kyrie Irving at certain points of the season. Okay, so to sit here and say Kawhi Leonard restored parity in the NBA, Kawhi Leonard ended the era of the super team. That is such garbage. Miss me with all of those takes. That is absolute trash. He did not end the super teams. Okay, this dude values dominance. Why else would he want to go play on a Los Angeles Clippers team with Paul George? He values winning at the highest level. That is what it's about to him. And he is smart enough to know you cannot win in this NBA with one superstar. Well, unless that's Kawhi Leonard, I guess. It's very difficult in this NBA to win with one superstar. And the reality is, although the Raptors did it with Kawhi against the Warriors, the Warriors were incredibly hobbled. And if the Warriors are at full strength in that series, that probably turns out a little differently. But that's neither here nor there. I just want to make it clear, this was never about Kawhi doing it alone. This was about Kawhi doing it his way and a chance to define his legacy on his terms, not as a comparison to anyone else, not to be juxtaposed to anyone else, but simply on his terms. I think it's also sort of amazing that throughout Kawhi Leonard's free agency, there was such a fixation looking back on it now, right? There was such a fixation on either the Raptors or the Lakers. When we knew the Clippers were the team that were courting him since last summer, it seemed like everybody just wanted to push that aside and say, hey, it's not even worth talking about anymore. Well, you know what? It actually is. So in hindsight, I think everybody, probably myself included on that, missed the boat on. 
because the Clippers were never dead in the water, clearly. This idea that the Lakers had to get Kawhi Leonard to have a successful offseason. Oh my God. Can you believe some people are still holding on to this? As I sit here and record this, I'm still reading takes about how the Lakers lost the offseason. What am I missing? And whoever is clinging on to those takes, I don't know what's in your diet, and I, I would suggest going to the doctor to get a full body scan done. And maybe a CT scan if it comes down to that, because that is absolute trash. Miss me with that too. Okay, it was never about Kawhi or Bust. The Lakers acquired Anthony friggin' Davis this offseason. Are you, are you kidding? You gotta be kidding me. Anthony Davis is a generational top five talent. And yes, he does struggle with injury. You know what? He's a top five generational talent in his prime who is committed to the Lakers long term. And you are all about maximizing LeBron James's title window while he's here. You got Anthony Davis on this roster and you're going to sit here and tell me it was Kawhi Leonard or Bust the entire time? Garbage. It's absolute trash. It was never about Kawhi Leonard or Bust. And these same people, and even others beyond them, will sit here and say, hey, you know what? The Lakers missed out by waiting. Missed out on what? Did they miss out on the opportunity to overpay some marginal free agents while there was a lot of competition in the sphere? Did they miss out on that opportunity? Where are the specifics? Who and what did they miss out on? Did they miss out on the opportunity to acquire Goran Dragic into cap space, a player who's on an expiring contract, who offers nothing for the long term, and who is not necessarily the level of fit with this roster that so many paint him to be? Is that what the Lakers missed out on? Is that it? Because I don't know what the specifics are yet. Should the Lakers have paid more in a crowded market? Do you think if the Lakers were to go in to day one of free agency and said, hey, you know what? We want to get Danny Green. Do you think they would have paid him more or less than the $30 million they wound up giving him? Remember, Trevor Ariza got $25 million on the first day of free agency. Okay? Trevor Ariza. So with that being said, this idea that it was Kawhi or bust, it's absolute garbage. The Lakers clearly had a plan B and executed on it right away. And perhaps plan B was actually plan A. But then when Kawhi Leonard felt real, felt tangible, and the opportunity cost of chasing greatness was worth it, maybe then it became a plan B. The problem is... We as society, we as basketball fans, we as humans in the social media era, we do not reward patience because society values being first. There's a clear and inherent value on being first even when you're wrong or it's the wrong investment. And we got to stop doing that. There's a reason free agency goes over three months and not three days, okay? The Lakers wound up with a roster that is incredibly versatile, offers an immense amount of upside. It comes with legitimate concerns. Do not get me wrong. Every roster does. But this is a team that should compete at a high level in the Western Conference. And as soon as you signed LeBron James last summer, it was all about the LeBron window. Nothing else for the Los Angeles Lakers. You've acquired Anthony Davis. You've got the bridge to the post-LeBron era in place. You've got two top five or top 10 players, depending upon how you classify LeBron at this stage of his career, on the same roster. 
and you've got supporting pieces in place that actually make sense. I don't know how anyone can sit here and say the Lakers are losers by waiting for Kawhi. Give me specifics, give me facts, give me exactly what the Lakers missed out on. Okay? I know KCP isn't everybody's favorite player, but would you rather have Contavious Caldwell Pope, two years, 16 million, or Jeremy Lamb for three years and 32 million? And I like Jeremy Lamb as a player, and I like that contract. Patience can create opportunities. Patience can wind up driving values. And yes, sometimes patience means you lose out or you miss on things that you never had. But as the old saying goes, it's hard to miss what you never had. Now, of course, that won't be true for the Oklahoma City Thunder, right? They're going to miss Paul George, okay? The Thunder went into the summer saying, hey, we're going to try to build this contender again around Russell Westbrook and Paul George, and we're going to compete in a Western Conference that seems pretty wide open. Well, obviously, that's not going to be the case anymore. In fact, I'd be surprised if the Thunder even make the playoffs. And that has a direct tie to Russell Westbrook's future with this team. For years and years and years, the Thunder have been committed to Russell Westbrook. But you know what? That time may be up. And the question that I have is what would the Thunder want for Russell Westbrook, right? Russell Westbrook is far from a perfect player, okay? There's no question. I don't, know, I don't even know what a perfect player looks like. In fact, I don't know what a perfect anything looks like because when you're talking about things that are perfect, you're often chasing the unicorn. In other words, you're building a model or an illustration in your mind that doesn't actually exist in reality, right? Let me put it like this. Well, I started seeing this person and only if she had this or if she had that or if she had this and blah, blah, blah. And you're literally building a person that does not exist, okay? So don't chase the unicorn. That is a big life lesson. Russell Westbrook, he's being talked about on the trade market as like, ah, I don't want that guy. I'm sorry. In a league where you need superstars to win and for a guy who has come off literally three straight seasons of averaging a triple-double, there's no place for him in your franchise? Come on, man. Or he's untradeable? Come on, man. Stop it. That's garbage. I understand Russell Westbrook has four years and $170 million left on his deal. I get it. Okay, I get it. But don't sit here and tell me he's untradeable or no team would benefit by trading for him. Case in point. When the Russell Westbrook chatter started, I said on Twitter, among a number of other teams, the Chicago Bulls would be interested. And I had a Bulls fan tweet me back and I apologize because I don't mean to pick on this particular tweet, but it's just a good example. He says, ah, it makes no sense for Chicago. Why not? Why shouldn't the Bulls be at least at the table for a conversation? They don't have a long-term point guard yet. Yes, maybe Kobe White could be the option, but they don't have a long-term point guard yet. They don't have anything close to resembling a superstar on that roster right now. I'm sorry if you're a marketing fan. I'm sorry if you're a Levine fan. I'm sorry if you're a Wendell Carter Jr. fan. Those guys are not close to superstardom. Not right now, anyway. Okay, they're not. So to sit here and say the Bulls shouldn't even be in the conversation for Russell Westbrook, please. Please. There are teams that cannot acquire a superstar through free agency because nobody's walking through that door. The Bulls being one of them right now. They don't have anything to sell. Fan bases get so jacked up by the idea of, oh, we're going to have this superstar come join our young players, right? 
Lakers fans sold themselves on that delusion for a number of years with Ingram, with Hart, with Lonzo, blah, blah, blah. It didn't happen. LeBron came to the Lakers not because of the kids, but because it's LA and to grow his brand. Okay, let's be clear. Let's call it what it is. And a season here, LeBron said, ah, you know what? This team really isn't that close. Hey, let's trade for Anthony Davis. And that's exactly what they did, right? It's exactly what they did. The thing with Russell Westbrook is people see that $170 million and they miss the forest for the trees. This is a hell of a player. You don't average three straight triple doubles by accident, okay? And I know he's been a wrecking ball and been allowed to do basically whatever he wants to do in OKC while wearing a Thunder uniform, but at the end of the day, you still got to do it, okay? Russell, he reminds me of Kobe Bryant. And before everyone goes, whoa, relax, okay? Just relax. He reminds me of Kobe Bryant in the sense that he is an alpha dog. He is going to do it his way, whether it's going really, really good or going really, really bad. There were nights where Kobe shot 10 of 12 and couldn't miss in the first quarter. There were nights where he shot 0 of 12 and he would still shoot. That's the thing with the alpha dog mentality. What makes you great is often going to make you weak. Okay? It's a double-edged sword. And that's the deal with Westbrook. But for a guy with all of these seasons, three straight triple doubles, for all of the accolades he's been able to achieve at the highest level of competition, professional basketball, to sit here and say, oh, the Thunder are screwed because there's no team they can send him to, it's garbage. So it comes back to the question of what do the Thunder want? Well, with that level of money owed to Russell Westbrook, I don't think they're going to get the bevy of picks that some people might think may be in play. And if the Thunder just wants salary relief, then the Miami Heat become a very interesting team. I've been pushing this narrative for several days now. It didn't feel like Jimmy Butler had to get a, had a path to get to Miami, but look, now he's the king of South Beach, right? So why not for Russ? But if you sit here and you say, okay, the Thunder wants certainty then maybe Detroit becomes a more interesting option because Blake Griffin is on the table. Now, you can send Blake Griffin home. Russell Westbrook for Blake Griffin. Who says no? I mean, it might feel like a 2K trade, but in this NBA offseason, as we could see, just about anything is going to happen, right? Who says no? Russ Westbrook for Blake Griffin. It's probably a better fit for both teams just from a fitting of the team perspective, right? Westbrook and Andre Drummond can run the pick and roll. Reggie Jackson's been nothing but a disappointment, right? Blake Griffin comes home to OKC. Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond don't make any sense together. I'm sorry. Not from a basketball perspective anyway. That's been the case for a while now. So we've heard three teams that have some level of interest in Westbrook. Miami being one of them, right? Makes a lot of sense. Imagine pairing Westbrook and Butler in Miami after Dwayne Wade in a wide open Eastern Conference. There you go, Pat Riley. It's not going to be easy. The Heat are tapped out on assets. All they've got is really financial relief to offer. That's about it. But it's not impossible. Okay? We've also heard about Houston and Detroit. We just went through the Detroit scenario. And I think that's plausible if the Thunder want a level of certainty. But if they value optionality and cost reduction, that's probably not going to path, be the path that they take. And Houston, I'm just tired of hearing the Rockets attached to just about any big name. It's garbage. They got nothing to offer OKC that's going to send them any kind of direction that's going to be a positive one. The Thunder could also sit there and decide, hey, if we're going to trade Russell Westbrook, we need to get off a Steven Adams deal too. 
So it really depends what they want. But beyond those three teams, there are some plausible destinations I want to run through very quickly. Chicago, one of them, we just went through that. Okay, San Antonio Spurs. Could you imagine Russell Westbrook with Greg Popovich? Is he the coach that finally reigns in Westbrook and gets the best version of him? Maybe, right? That'd be a fascinating fit. How about the Pelicans? Are they ready to arrive sooner than anticipated? Do you want to pair Russell Westbrook with Zion Williamson and commit to that? I don't think so, but it's certainly an interesting thought exercise, right? They have the flexibility to do that should they choose. Minnesota would have to get out from Andrew Wiggins' deal, which, ugh, good luck with that, okay? But how about a Russell Westbrook-Carl Anthony Towns pairing? You think the Western Conference is crazy now? How about in that picture? And we talked about OKC, right? The Blake Griffin scenario. Blake Griffin wants to go home, and the Thunder wants some level of certainty that can build around Blake. Then you have that on the table, too. So again, just to sit here and say, well, Russell Westbrook, he's got $170 million owed to him. Nobody's going to want to touch that. It's garbage in a league that values superstars at the highest level. There will be a market for Russell Westbrook. In fact, we're already seeing it. Okay. I think NBA Twitter occasionally misses the point, to be fair, or to be kind, really, really misses the point. And this leads me into the final thing for this episode. The power of groupthink. One of the best days in my life covering basketball, being engaged in any kind of NBA media was when I didn't have to sit on Twitter all day long anymore. You know why? Twitter is incredibly negative, especially NBA Twitter. It's like there has to be a level of vitriol in every conversation. I was going back and forth with somebody recently about why the Lakers are likely to make the playoffs or miss the playoffs, right? And he said to me, well, if you want to sit here and argue, I'm down to have an argument. I said, that's just it, man. I don't want to argue with you. I want to have a conversation. But if you're not up for that, then I'm done. People don't know how to disagree without making it contentious, right? Just because you disagree on something doesn't mean it has to be an argument. It could be a conversation. Do not miss the difference on that. So on Twitter, we see all these negative takes. Everything's very critical. Everything through a blurred lens. Call it however you want. But it's just exhausting, especially NBA Twitter. And I want to get into this idea of groupthink to end the episode, okay? If you're not familiar what groupthink is, basically it's the thinking or the making of decisions as a group as a way to discourage the creativity or individual responsibility of the individual. Does that sound good to you? Because on NBA Twitter, if you stand out, if you have a different opinion than the masses, you often get ridiculed. People don't want to understand your why. They just want to hear themselves talk and tell you why they're right, you're wrong. That's a bad business to be in. We should be rewarding original thought. We should be promoting critical thought. We should be more understanding of disagreements. It's literally the opposite of what we want for everybody to start thinking together, right? Like if, you, if you're if you a Lakers fan and you like the Avery Bradley edition, you're in the minority on Twitter. To me, that's crazy. Be on either side of the argument that you want, but just be able to stand there and say what you got to say. Don't be manu- Don't be subject to manufactured thought. Don't be driven to think one way that you don't actually think. Stand up and have a voice. That's why you have a platform after all. Because if you're giving up your voice and you're giving up your platform, what you're doing is you're not using your platform. You're actually just helping to create an echo chamber, okay? 
we think we're influencing on Twitter. We think we're we're doing this or we're doing that. But in reality, when we fall into that trap and the group think, all that we're doing is we're creating echo chambers and it further divides and separates. It doesn't bring people closer together. It doesn't promote understanding. It actually drives separation. Okay? And if you want to have conversations, have them. Even when they're difficult, especially when they're difficult. But if you just want to sit here and get validation for, oh, my take is right because I agree with everybody else or my take is the same as everybody else's, what's the point? I'm not saying it's never going to happen, but that shouldn't necessarily be the norm. It shouldn't be what you default to. Have the verve and the courage to stand up on your own two feet and be heard. Because in this world, people who are unafraid to be different are often recognized. People who want to blend in and be like everybody else, they're often missed. Something to think about. I know we went through a lot on episode 17. But I got to say, I am so happy to be here with you guys. I'm getting a lot from this. I hope you're getting just as much as I am, if not more. And I'm looking forward to episode 18 when we dive right back in. Until then, we out.